Thank God for his word. Praise God for his word. All right, won't you get your Bible? We're going to go right into God's word. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter number. Uh, 1 Corinthians, first of all, that's chapter 4. And we want to start there. Uh, verse 1 and 2, then we're going to go down and start reading verse number 10. This is our series. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 4, uh, verse 1. Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ, as stewards of the mysteries of God. More is required of stewards that a man be found faithful. And then we're going to go down and read verse number 10. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honorable, but you are despised. Even unto this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and naked and are buffeted. We have no certain dwelling place. We labor, working with our hands. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. And then he said, we are made out of the filth of the world and are the offscouring of the things of, until this day. Then he said, I write none of these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. For though you have 10,000 instructions in Christ, yet have you not many, fa many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I have begotten you, watch this, through the gospel. Wherefore I beseech you, be followers of me, and Paul as the apostle is saying to the church, follow me as I follow Christ. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you now for your Holy Spirit, for your goodness, your mercy, your grace. We thank you for your love, your faith, your faithfulness. We thank you for your kingdom, your righteousness, your peace, your joy. In the Holy Spirit, we love you, Lord. We thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us, delivering us, and setting us free. Thank you for your healing, your health, your great deliverance. And thank you for your wisdom, your knowledge, your understanding. Thank you for all your blessings, Lord, how you prosper us and you bless us so we can do this. In the name of our Lord Jesus, we pray, and all the church says, Amen, and praise the Lord. Just want to say good morning. Uh, to the Door of Faith Christian Church family. Our series, we're talking about Paul preached Christ. And that's why we preach Christ. It's because that's the message of the new covenant. Paul preached Christ. All right, now, volume one, we talked about the first tape was Christ, uh, about us, know who you're following. Man, I tell you, I am... I emphasize so much. Get that tape. I, watch what he says. Know who you are following. That's the first thing he wants to say to you. All right? But then in this volume two, we are already in part one. Part two now. And we are talked about 1 Corinthians chapter number five, verse seven and eight. Just two verses. Paul is looking at the church at Corinth. And watch what he's going to say. He's warning them now. Remember what he says. Purge out therefore the old leaven. Now remember that, that it's been reported to Paul about fornication in the church. Now, so Paul looked at this 
as the old leaven, all right? Paul looked at this as the old leaven. So he says to them uh, about the old leaven, purge out therefore the old leaven. Now the old leaven that Paul's talking about is people not saving the church. Remember that the church is the body of Christ. In another word for the body, the church is the bread. All right? We are the bread of Christ. We are the body of Christ. All right? Now, watch what he says. He looked, he gets this letter. Let's go back to verse 1. I'm just going to read the letter. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Well, let's, let's just go back to verse number 1 and let's read the letter. All right? In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, he said, It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. Now, why would I be ministering on something like this on a Palm Sunday? Because Paul is ministering to the church, and he, he's remi reminding them that Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Christ has been sacrificed for us. We can't allow this stuff to happen in the church. Paul is reminding him to preach Christ. How are you going to get this leaven out the church? How are you going to get this yeast out the church? Or how are you going to get it out the bread, if I can say it that way? You're going to have to preach Christ. See, you're not going to be able to go out and just grab somebody by the throat and say, you don't supposed to be with that woman. You don't supposed to be with that man. See, this is not what he's talking about. This is what people do in churches. I'm trying to tell you. They put you out of church. Tell you can't come to the church. See, because they're looking at you and not realizing that is not what Paul is saying. Paul is telling them how to get the leaven out of the church. Watch this. 1 Corinthians chapter number 5 and verse 1 says, Is it reported commonly that there's fornication among you? And such fornication is not so much as name among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. So here this man in the church with his father's wife. Watch what Paul is going to say. And you are puffed up, and you have not yet rather mourned that he has done this deed might be taken away from among you. Watch what it says. I verily, as absent in the body, but present in the spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that has done this deed. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now remember, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is how the church of God was saved. So I, when you use the word in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you already know this is the church of God. All right? Now this is the church Paul persecuted. All right? So he's going to say to them, he's talking to a local assembly. Understand? All right. So he's going to say uh, in verse number Three says, I verily am absent in the body, but present in the spirit have judged already, as though I am present concerning him that has done this deed. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now remember, they were waiting for Jesus to return. That's why you have to listen to this very carefully. Remember, you, you, you are after Christ has come. We, 
I know, I know, I know, you know, I used to believe it too. I used to believe that Jesus is coming and that's what people base their salvation on. Let me say this to you. To convince yourself, find the scriptures. Don't just go around and say, well, you know, the Lord is coming. Get in the Bible and find the scriptures that tell you the Lord is coming and you're going to find everything that the Lord said to Israel. You're not going to find nothing that God going to tell us. You'll go get scriptures that the Lord is telling the church about his coming. Even I can read you Hebrew. I can read you any Bible, but he's talking to Israel. All right? Jesus told the Jews, nowhere told you he's coming. You are the body of Christ. He's already in you. You're the body of Christ. All right, let's move on. Then Paul said to him is, remember in verse 5, deliver such a one to Satan to the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved, watch this, in the day of the Lord Jesus, where they was waiting for the Lord to come. All right, then he said, your glory is not good. No, you're not, but a little leaven, leaven the whole lump. Then he's going to tell them, purge out the old leaven. Now, the old leaven is going to be two people that sit in church. But God is showing that the church is one body. And you can't allow fornication in the church because the church is one body. He's showing like yeast in bread. If you don't get that out, it will corrupt the whole lump. Otherwise, Christ cannot operate in the church if you allow what's going on in the church. So he's reminding them, this is why Christ died. Christ is our Passover, was sacrificed for us. We can't allow this to happen in the church. So watch what he says. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump. As you are unleavened, for even Christ, that's our subject, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Now, we're going to look at this sacrifice because we want you to understand, when you use the word sacrifice, he's talking about a burnt offering and a sin offering. Now, we know Christ fulfilled all the offerings through his death, burial, and resurrection. And to be able to do that, you need to go back and study the book of Leviticus where you start talking about the offerings because there's a lot of them. But I'm just talking about the burnt offering. The burnt offering was very common and the sin offering was very common. And the drink offering, I mean, I can go on and on, but they were all very common. So he said, purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Then he comes to let us therefore keep the feast. So he's saying, look, keep the feast. Feast of what? Feast of Passover. This church, Corinth, kept the feast of Passover. Understand? This is what the church of God. But he would remind them, Christ, our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. He's not talking about like an ordinance. See, we take it as we're keeping the feast. Well, when I get up here to minister the word like I'm doing now, we are keeping the feast. 
That's what we're doing. We are feasting on the Lamb. The Lamb. The Word. So he's going to say, Therefore let us keep the feast not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness. Let us keep the feast with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So we're going to keep the feast with the word. Every day you ought to get into the word. Or every day you ought to put the word on. You're keeping the feast. See, it's, it's, not, it's not what we think it is. We think because we pull the table out and serve communion, we're keeping the feast. That's not keeping the feast. He's said, telling you already, Christ, our Passover. In the Old Testament, putting Christ in the person. As long as Christ in you, you can keep the feast. If Christ is not in you, you can't keep the feast. You can't celebrate Christ. All right, now, I want to take you to something that I wasn't able to get through this morning. Now, I told you this morning, let's go back to Exodus chapter 11, verse 1, just that one verse, because I want to be able to show you something. Exodus chapter 11 and one verse. I want to remind you that this word Passover is the same word as plague. Now, you're going to say, wait a minute. Keep the plague? See, when the Bible says Christ our Passover, he's talking about Christ now is the fulfillment of the Passover. Let me repeat that to you again. When Paul said, let us keep the Passover, he's reminding you that Christ is the fulfillment of Passover. So I don't need the bread on the table. I don't need the water in the tank. I don't need the feet washed. I don't need all these other things. I don't need circumcision. Christ already is my circumcision. See, all these things is who Christ is. Christ is the fulfillment of Passover. So I got to go back and see what he did. Because he was sacrificed for us. So what did the Passover do? Passover was a plague. One of the ten plagues that God brought on the world. And God told them once those plagues come on them, they will surely let you go. The plagues. So God brought these plagues on Egypt. And he told Israel, if they didn't keep his word, he would put none of these diseases on them. See, these were plagues. Remember, in Exodus chapter 11, verse 1, that's where we're going to go. Exodus chapter 11, verse 1. Watch what he says. And the Lord said to Moses, Yet I will bring one more plague. Now, this was, the plague was all firstborns must die. The plague. That's what the plague is going to do. Once this plague came, let's, let's, let's show you this plague because it came down 
upon Egypt. And all the firstborn of the Egyptians shall die. The firstborn of their main servants, the firstborn of Pharaoh, the firstborn of beasts, all the firstborn died. It was the firstborn of all flesh. Let's make sure we understand what that means. It was the firstborn of flesh that died. So when Jesus Christ went to the cross, he had to die to death. That's what I gave you this morning. And I showed you that in the book of Exodus. And I showed you that there were two deaths. Chapter 29, verse 38. That's all we're going to do today is just that. Because we did everything this morning. Exodus chapter 29, verse 38 and 39. Just those two verses. You got to understand that Jesus died two deaths. He died a natural physical death as son of man. And he'd have to die spiritual death as son of God. All right? Because spiritual death and physical death were two different deaths, and it still is. Let me say it this way. If you are not saved, you don't have Christ in you. If you're not a new creation in Christ, then you have not a spiritual birth yet. Now, why do you need a spiritual birth? Because if you're spiritually dead, you need a spiritual birth. Now, the spiritual birth is called eternal life. Why do you need eternal life? Because you have a spiritual death that needs to be replaced with the spiritual life. Well, the spiritual life is Christ. But then there will be a physical death. Now, that's this guy out here. So remember, Adam died to death. Christ had to die to death. Adam died spiritually first. The day you eat thereof, Adam, you will surely die. Well, the day Adam ate thereof, he died spiritually. What does that mean? He was cut off from God separated from God. Anybody that's not born again, they are spiritually dead. That's why when you read Ephesians chapter 2, it'll say he quickened you. Quickened, made alive. Quickened, made alive together with Christ. Well, if you are born of the Spirit, you have to be quickened, made alive. That's why I keep telling you that baptism pool can't do it. That's why I keep telling you that eating bread on the table can't do it. It's going to be by the Spirit of the living God who's going to make you alive again. How's he going to do it? He's going to come into your soul. The Spirit of the living God comes into your soul and gives you life. How do you get natural life? We'll look at it. How do you get natural life? God breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life. That wasn't eternal life, the breath of life. And Adam became, watch this, a living soul. But that was just natural life. But now 
if he had eaten of the tree of life, which is Christ, he will live forever. So now Jesus come and say, I am the tree of life. I am the bread of life. I am the water of life. See, he's, he's the life. So once you receive Christ, you receive eternal life. How do I receive it? I think this is a great mystery where people think they can just receive Christ and I'm all right. The way you receive Christ is believing in Christ. Death, burial, and resurrection. Now, the reason why that is so important because you are now being identified with Christ. That is very important. You are losing your old identity. Let me give you a couple of scriptures and show you what I mean. Look at Galatia. Galatia chapter number 2. In Galatia 2.20, what would the Bible say? I am crucified with Christ. Now, if I'm crucified with Christ, what does that mean? His death is my death. Because I sure didn't die when he died. But for as God concerned, Jesus in the flesh, when he died 2,000 years ago, he died for me. See, there were two deaths. And that's what I showed you in Exodus 29, 38, and 39. Let's read that, because I said I was going to read those two. It says, now that he that, now this is that which thou shalt offer upon the altar. Two lambs of the first year, I'm reading to you Exodus 29, verse 38. Now this is that which thou shalt offer upon the altar two lambs of the first year, day by day, seven days a week, continually. The one lamb thou shalt offer in the morning, and the other lamb thou shalt offer at evening. Now, if you go back and you look at Christ's death, the first death, spiritual death, happened in the morning. First, in the first three hours. But the last three hours, the physical death happened. And they're going to say that he gave up the ghost. See, but in the first three hours, you're going to hear him say, My father, why hast thou forsaken me? See, he's going to have to bear the wine press alone, if you know about the wine press. He got to go through this, the, the soul of man, the last three hours, had to go through this death by himself. So he died spiritually, the first three hours. He died naturally, the last three hours. Then they're going to take him down and put him in the tomb. Now, let's show you why this is so important. One died in the morning. One lamb died in the evening. That's Jesus Christ, physical man, spiritual man. All right. Now, what I want to do to you today, I want to take you 
and show you something. I want to take you to the book of Genesis. And I want to show you something that happened in Genesis. In the book of Genesis, chapter 22, and let's look at verse 1. You and your Bible, look at Genesis. Go, let's, let's, we're, going to, we're going to take you to a few places quickly here. Genesis chapter 22. Now, when you read this, I'm not going to be able to read it all. This is the story of Abraham. Now, this story of Abraham, God is giving you types and shadows. This morning I gave you Moses and his rod. Remember Moses' rod is called the rod of God, but it was first a serpent. Remember Moses' rod. Maybe I'll go through that a little bit. But remember, Moses' rod was turned into a serpent. Now, why did God turn Moses' rod into a serpent? That's what we want to be able to look at. Why did God turn Moses' rod into a serpent? It was a type and shadow of how Jesus will be made sin. Christ will be made sin for us. Now, you got to understand this. He couldn't use the rod if it had never been the serpent. So when you look at Christ, Christ had to become flesh. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. For the Bible that said the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, it's to say the word was made to be sin. Now, why did God make Christ flesh? Why did he make him to be sin for us? Because the responsibility was God wanted to get rid of sin once and for all. So he's going to take all the curses. Think about what I'm saying. When you read the book of, when you read the book of Deuteronomy, you'll find that there are 12 curses in the Old Testament. God's going to take these curses, 12 curses in the Old Testament, where they will get on the mountain and they will read these curses out. 12 curses, and the people will say, Amen. 12 curses. Now, these curses were the curses of the law. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 27, these were the 12 curses of the law. Now, these curses would come on Israel when they break the law. Not all of them at one time, but different curses. Say, for example, there was somebody that might have had leprosy. Well, that was a curse. But I, what I want to show you that these were plagues. They were called plagues or curses. So when, when the Bible said Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us, Christ became our Passover. Now, 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 when you say he became our Passover, he was made to be sin. He became our Passover. He took our sicknesses, Isaiah 53, our sicknesses, our death, our grief, our sorrow. He, he became our Passover. That means he took everything that man was supposed to have against him and then going to nail it to the cross. Every sickness, every disease known to man, 
God put it on Christ. That's why his body was called the body of sin. All right? Now, let's show you this in Genesis. You want to write these two down for me here, first lady. When we leave here, we're going to go and show you that. We're going to go to Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 8. And then we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21. And then we're going to go to Romans chapter 6, verse 3 through verse 11. We're going to go through those. We're going to, let's put one more down. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I gave you that already. 14 through 21. Okay, we got that. We're going to go through these three. Now, we're going to show you what happened here. In Genesis, I'm, on, I'm starting here, but I'm going to end up in the New Covenant. Watch what it says in Genesis. Chapter number 22. Now, God is going to use Abraham and Isaac as a type of the father and the son. Now, you got to understand, that's who Abraham is in the Bible. He's a type of the father God. And uh, Isaac is a type of the son of God. And also because he's the seed. And then Jacob is a type of the Holy Ghost. He is the multiplier of the church. Okay? So watch this. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. We're going to start at verse 1. Uh, guys. And it came to pass, there we go, after these things that God did tempt Abraham. Now we know that word is test. Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, he said, behold, here I am. Now God has given Abraham a son. And he said to him, take now thy son, Abraham, thy only son. All right. Abraham, take your son. Take your only son. I think I'm all right here, right? Take your son. Take your only son, whom thou loveth, and get thee up into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering. Now watch the kind of offering, burnt offering. And then the Bible says, up on one of the mountains, which I would tell thee of, burnt offering. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, Sally his ass, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he clave the wood for the burnt offering, and he rose up and he went unto the place of God, which God had told them. And watch the next verse. Then on the third day. Why all of a sudden the third day? Jesus died on the third day. Crucifixion. Abraham lifted up his eyes, he saw the place of fall. Abraham said to the young man, Abide ye here with the ass. I and the lad will go and watch this worship, go young and worship, and come again to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it upon his son Isaac. What, what does that remind you of? The cross. How they laid the tree, the cross they had built out of a tree upon Jesus Christ. And then it says, he laid that up on Isaac. And he took the fire in his hand, or, or the thing that he had, fire. He took a knife, and they went both of them together. Isaac spake to Abraham, his father. Now here it is, the son is looking at 
what the father got. You got a knife, you got, I'm carrying a wood pack here, and you got fire in your hand, and what's, what's about to happen here? Because he knew fire means burn off it. And Isaac spake to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he says, Here I am, my son. He says, Behold the fire. I mean, you got a thing in your hand burning here like a torch. You got the wood. I'm carrying it on my shoulder. But where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, this is so awesome. God will provide. But it doesn't just stop there. He told you who God will provide himself. See, God will provide who Christ, our Passover lamb, is sacrificed for us. God provided a lamb. He took all of our sin, our sicknesses, our diseases, our curses, took them all to the cross. Watch what it says. Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb. Well, did he do it? Sure did. He provided his own son, a body thou hast made me and provided for me. Lo, I come in the volume of the book, is written of me to do thy will, O God. The father provided himself a lamb. He born himself a lamb. That's who Christ was called the Lamb of God. John told us that in the Gospel of John. God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And they went, both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told, and Abraham built that altar there and laid the wood in order, and he bound Isaac, he tied both his hands, and laid his son on the wood, the altar. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, took his knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham says, here am I. And he said to Abraham, lay not your hands upon the lad neither do anything to him. For I know, but now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son from me. God called that place Jehovah Jireh. And verse 15, And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven the second time. And said, Abraham, Abraham, by myself I have sworn, said the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, that in blessings, look what God did, because Abraham did not keep his son away from God. When he realized that he did not love his son more than he loved God. My God Almighty. God wanted to know, did he love anything more than him? So he found out, you got a son, let's go. I want to see you love your son more than you love me. Now, 
God said to Abraham, by myself I have sworn because you've done this thing. Blessings, see, ain't nothing he's going to hold back from him now. Blessings, I'll bless you. Multiplying, I'll multiply you, thy seed, as the stars of the heaven, as the sand which is up on the seashore. Thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. What a mighty God we serve. So Abraham returned in the young man, and they rose up and they went together, went to Bathsheba. And Abraham dwelt there at Bathsheba. What, what an awesome God. Now I'm going to show you these three things that I'm about to do. First one is going to be Romans. I gave them to you. Romans chapter number 5, 6 to 8. Let's go over and look at it. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 to 8. I'm going to show you some things. This is the, the Lord that we serve. He died to death, naturally and spiritually, so we can have spiritual life and natural life. God gave us his life. God gave us life in our body. Then he turned around and gave us spiritual life with him for our soul. What a mighty God we serve. Romans chapter 5. And verse number 6 to 8. Romans chapter 5. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died. Watch this. Who did he die for? He died for the ungodly. Now just think about it. Why would you try to fix yourself up now to try to prove yourself to be good enough for God to tell him now I've been water baptized, I eat the bread off the table, and I wash my feet? Listen, while we were yet sinners, brother, listen, Christ died for us. Before you were baptized, Christ already died for you. Before you ever try to eat bread off the table and wash your feet, Christ already died for you. He died for the ungodly. And the Bible says, scarcely for a righteous man would one dare to die, preadventure for a good man one would even dare to die. But God commanded his love toward us while we were yet sinners. Man, if you could see how this thing happened, you can't go down and fix yourself up and be good enough for God. God did this while we were yet sinners. Christ died for the ungodly while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Then he'll say, much more. Being now justified by his blood. That's what the Passover was about. He was made to be sin. That's what it means by Passover. The rod was made a serpent. You remember, and also it told us, I don't know if I get a chance to look at this, but they put the serpent in Numbers 21. They, 
they told them, make a serpent, put him on a pole. Why a serpent? Why is it a serpent? We'll get through that in just a moment. And that would be in Numbers 21. We would, we would get to that. God commended his love toward us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Much more. Then being made just, but now justified by blood, we shall be saved from his wrath. And they were saved from his wrath. Verse number 10. For if when we were enemies, think about it. We were enemies, we were reconciled to God. Listen, listen to me. You weren't reconciled to God when you got better. God reconciled us to himself while we were yet sinners. Christ didn't die for us after we got water baptized. Christ died for you before you even thought about water baptism. We got to understand all this stuff that we're talking about had nothing to do with our salvation. Christ died for us. Christ died for our sins. Watch what they're going to say. In verse number 10, Romans 5 and 10. For if we were, for when we were enemies, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. The son gave his life for the father to forgive us. The son gave his life. This is big time. The Son of God gave his life so the Father could forgive us. The Son of God gave his life, shared his blood, so the Father can forgive us of our sins. And now we want to say, well, I got my sin forgiven because I got water baptized. You see how that sounds? Romans 5 and verse 10 if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more. Being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Listen, God saved you by giving you his life. God Almighty. And you still here talking about this other stuff. There are people today been in church all their life who are sitting and say, well, you know, I, I still think water baptism has something to do with it. Is that right? Can't you read? All of this happened at the cross 2,000 years ago. Let me read it again, verse number 10. Verse 8. We're going back back to 8. I want you to get this. Verse 8 said, God commended his love toward us while we were yet sinners. Come on, come on. This is before you were born. Christ died for us. 2,000 years ago, Christ died for us. Then it says in verse 9, much more, being justified by his blood. Look, by his blood, he made you right with God. Just mean justified. By his own blood, he made me right with God. And then in verse 10, if when we were enemies, we were, if we were reconciled to God when we were enemies, much more. 
being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. God give us his life now. And not only us so, but we also join God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have received, watch this, the atonement of reconciliation. God has, I'm just going to let the word tell you, because I, I get so excited about what God has done here. Uh, let's go to the next one. Second Corinthians chapter number 5 and verse number 14. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. Man, if this does not warm you up, if this does not warm you up, what do you need? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ, constraineth us the love of Christ. Man, do you know what he did on that cross? The love of Christ constraining us, the cross, his love, because we thus judge that if one died for all, if one man, and he did, died for all, then we all did. And that he died for all. Watch what he says. That they which live. When you realize Christ died for you, what are you supposed to do now? You're supposed to live for him. Let me say it again. Christ died for me. I'm supposed to live for him. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Then he said, Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, I love these therefores. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. He's a new creation. Watch what happened to the old things. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. All things of God who has reconciled us. Again, listen, when God brought us back, when Jesus brought us back to God, see, that's what Moses did when he went into Egypt. He brought the people to the mountain. He brought them back to God. That's what Jesus did in your life. You would have never came to God if it wasn't for Jesus. Jesus brought you back to God. Just think about what I said. You had gone astray. You went away your own way, doing your own thing. But Jesus brought you back to the Father. That's why we love him. Because he first loved us. Look what it says. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And verse number 18. And all 
things of God who has reconciled us to Jesus Christ by, him, by Jesus Christ, has given us the ministry of reconciliation to wit. This is what I want to get to, verse 19. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. How did he do it? Not imputing their trespasses. Well, we had a problem in the church of Corinth. How are you going to get them saved? Not imputing their trespasses unto them. And has given us the word of reconciliation. If I'm going to reconcile this man, I got to tell him about the love of Christ. I can't make him do something. Tell him about how much God loves him and how much Christ loves him and what God has done for him. That's what's going to change his heart. Verse number 21 is what I've been wanting to get to all day long. Verse 20 said, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead be reconciled to God. Then he's going to say, he had, Here it is. He has made him. Watch this. This is awesome stuff. He has made him to be sin for us. Why was Moses' rod turning to a serpent? God couldn't have used the rod if it never became a serpent. Christ had to be made sin. Christ could not, if he didn't come in the flesh, he couldn't have died for your sins. Look what it says, 2 Corinthians 5, he has made him to be sin for us. He knew no sin. Why did he do it? That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Good God Almighty. Why did he do it? He was made to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God, watch this, in him. God made him to be sin. Let, let, let me show you something. Let, I got one more here first before I go into where. Romans 6 and 3. I think I'm going to have time. Romans chapter 6 and verse 3. I just hope you're enjoying yourself. I just hope you're enjoying the word. Romans chapter 6. If you know what the Lord did, this is why Christ, our Passover, he was made sin. He could not have been called the Passover if he was not made a curse. I don't know, do y'all hear what I'm saying? If Christ was never made to be sin, he could have not been the Passover. Because the Passover means I gave you that in Exodus chapter 11, verse 1. What is it? Plague. If he was made a plague, he was made sin. He was made to be sin for us. He was made a curse. My God. See, we're going to put that down to that's Galatians 3, 13. We'll go there next. See, he was made a curse. You, all this, what God did, 
became your Passover. So that's why I don't eat the bread of the table today. Christ! Oh my God, I, I can't say it no more. Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Was, past tense. If it's already been a Passover, I don't need another Passover. I need to enjoy the one I already have. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 said, No, you're not. There's so many of us that were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Remember, it said, were that was 2,000 years ago. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism in the death, like, like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so we also shall walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, here it is, that our old man, Think about what he said. That's the flesh man. That our old man is crucified with Christ. Our old man was crucified with Christ. Why? Why? That the body of sin. Now this is an awesome thing. This is why you got to believe in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Because the body of sin might be destroyed. What was the body of sin? God made Jesus to be sin for us. His physical body was made the body of sin. And then God is going to take that body and nail it to the cross. With your sin in it, my sin in it with leprosy in it, with curses in it, with death in it. Everything that man carried, God put it on him and nailed it to the cross. Now that's awesome stuff now. All the garbage of the Old Testament, sin, sickness, disease, poverty, pain, fear, curses, torments, everything that was known to man, God said, we're going to get rid of it. Let's put it all in one bag. Let's put it all on one man. So when he go to the cross, and when he die on the cross, everything in it going to die. He was made to be sin for us. Watch what it said. Romans chapter 6, verse 6 says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. The body of sin might be destroyed. Henceforth, we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. We died right there on the cross. Now if we be dead with Christ, 
We believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, died no more. Death had no more dominion over him. When that he died, he died to sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Then he said, thus, liken your, reckon yourself likewise to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now what else are we going to need? Uh, Galatia? Let's look at Galatians. Yeah, we need, we need numbers. Let's do Galatians first, quickly. Let's go Galatians 3. And then we close out with numbers. We've got about two minutes here. Man, time flies when you're having fun. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13, that's what we're waiting on. Here it is. Christ had passed him. See, he was our Passover. He's already done it. He's already took sickness and sin and disease and pain and grief and curses. He's already took it to the cross. He has redeemed us, watch this, from the curse of the law. Remember those 12 curses? He redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us. See, everything that happened with Israel, curses, sin, God made him that. God made him that. Galatians 3, God, verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. That word redeemed means bought and paid for with his own life, with his own blood. Being under the curse. For it's written, curses everyone that hangeth on the tree. That's why he did that, so he can die on the cross. So those curses in Deuteronomy 27, verse 11 through 26, those were 12 curses. They all were put on Christ. All those curses, all those plagues, he became our Passover lamb. Why did he do it? Verse 14, that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentile through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. What was the blessing of Abraham? He just shout out, God's righteousness came on us. Look at Numbers. Here it is, the last thing. Numbers 22. Numbers chapter 21. Numbers chapter 21. What a mighty God we serve. Number from the book of Numbers. Right before you get to Deuteronomy, the book of Numbers, chapter number 21. Numbers 21. I want, I want to go verse 4. We're going to start down in verse 4. we got enough time. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to, to compass the land of Eden. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up, they says, out of Egypt. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? To die in the wilderness. There no bread Neither there's any water. Our soul loathed this light bread. And that bread was a type of Christ. And the Lord sent poisonous. That word fire is poison. He sent poisonous serpents among the people 
They bit the people, and most people of Israel died. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for you have spoken against the Lord. We have spoken against the Lord and against you, Moses. Pray to the Lord for us, Moses, that he'll take away the serpents from us. Take away the serpent. The serpent represents sin. Take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, if I'm going to take away the serpent from them, then you're going to have to make a serpent, get a serpent, put it on a pole so he can be type and shadow of my son, Jesus Christ, who was made sin. Make a serpent. Christ was made sin. And he's going to take away the sin. Man, what you talking about? What God we serve. Watch what it says. And the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent. Set it up on the pole. And then she'll cut in the path that everyone that's bitten, when he look, when he look up on this serpent on the pole, look, when he look up on the serpent that's on the pole, when he see the Christ that's on the pole, what's going to happen to him? What's going to happen to him? Here it is. He's going to live. He's going to live. Not because he water baptized, ate no bread off the table to wash his feet. He saw the serpent on the pole. When somebody was preached to him, the serpent on the pole, Christ died for your sin, then man would eat and live. My time is up. I thank you for yours. First Corinthians chapter 15. Oh, glory to God forever. First Corinthians chapter number 15. Just one verse. First Corinthians chapter 15. I'm sorry. Start with verse 1. Watch what Paul says. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you have received in where you stand, and then it said, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also receive, how Christ died for our sins. According to the scriptures, he was buried, then he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. He was seen of Peter, then of the twelve, and that he was seen of above five hundred brothers at once, and after that, he was seen of James and all of the apostles. Last of all, he was seen of me, Paul says, one born out of due time. If you want to be saved, you need to believe what God did on the cross. Look at the cross and say, Father, I believe Christ died for my sins and he was buried and you raised him from the dead and I receive him now as my Savior, my salvation. My time is up, and I thank you for yours. The door of faith that opened unto you.
Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.